skip two slides ahead. So look at look at what he says in the next verse. He said, first, the, first of all, the gospel was the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes from faith to faith, and is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, what did the word gospel mean again? Good news. Right. And you know, and actually, someone said that it's 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 more more than that. You know, it's good news is, is a very like loose, light translation of it. It really means something that's like extraordinary or too good to be true news type of a thing. I mean, it's super good news. Best news ever. And, but now he's saying, and, now, and, and remember, he, he said he's ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome, you Christians. You know, we think, well, I thought the, the unbeliever needs to hear the gospel. Yeah, they do. But Christians need to hear the gospel. Why? So as much as is in them, they can give it. You know, and why was Paul so eager to come to Rome and preach to the Christians at Rome? And he says, for, so you see this is connected here? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. First of all, I want to point out that it didn't say it's being revealed by the church. Right? We're going to, we're going to tell, it's going to, I don't, I don't really believe that God wants you to go out and beat people, beat people over the head and tell them what sinners they are. You know? Preach the gospel to the world. Good news! You're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Isn't that wonderful? That's, I mean, that's not good news. But it's being revealed from heaven and of all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Notice that. They suppress the truth. Now, why did he want the Christians to know that? Bear with me. It's the same reason I believe God wants you to know that. I know that a lot of you have, I don't know, shall I say evangelistic hearts? Would that be accurate? I had a couple of amens here. You, you ever get any pushback? Don't let it deter you. Don't be led. Don't go by what you see. Amen? You know, first of all, the Bible says that God's word won't return to him void. Okay? So when you share, it doesn't matter if they spit in your face. That word will follow them. You just said it by faith. That word will follow them the rest of their lives, all the way to the grave. Anyone ever hear of Kenneth Copeland? He got born again in like his, I don't know, I think, I think it was his late 20s. But we're going to be talking about the heart uh, in, tonight and then in, in a couple of other lessons. But, see, he got frustrated and, you know, had been around the gospel all his life. And do what he needed to do because we're going to bring this out that people know. No matter what they say, no matter how they act, no matter how much they argue, no matter how hateful they get, they know. First of all, it's being revealed to them. But in his late 20s, and he finally just decided, all right, God, but now what do I do? And a voice came up out of him that was his eighth grade Sunday school teacher that he hadn't heard in like... Well, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years. Just, just, boys, you got to ask Jesus into your heart. That's all. That's all. So he did. He... So that word's going to follow people. God's word won't return void. 
If their heart turns to the Lord, well, well, we'll talk about that as we go. But first of all, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Do you know why the world is always so busy? Always, And, and you shouldn't be this way. There's nothing wrong with being active, being active on social media, whatever I am. But you have to make time, quiet time. Quiet, if you, if you really want to get to intimacy with God, you have to take a break, get aside, and just be quiet with God. His voice isn't a loud, booming voice. It's a still, small voice. It's a witness. And why doesn't the world ever want to be quiet? Why do they always have to have something going, something talking to them, this on, this on, that on, that on? Because when they get quiet, their heart starts talking to them. God has built it into every person ever born to know that there's a God. He has shown it to them. And here's the thing. I personally don't believe that God, that, you know, have you ever had um, heard anyone say that if we, we don't get the gospel to people, they're all going to go to hell and it's our fault because we didn't preach the gospel to them? Have you ever, that's, that's nonsense. You know, and that's one of the ways the world pushes back. And, and remember, when they push back, they know in their heart of hearts they're wrong. They know. I'm, I'm going to be showing, well, I'm showing you that right now. But there has never been anyone anywhere at any time that in their heart, when, when they knew that there was God, they didn't, might have known who he was, didn't know anything, but when they turn to him and say, God, who are you? He'll move heaven, earth, and hell to get someone to him to preach the gospel. You know? One story in the Bible, in Acts chapter 10, there was a centurion named Cornelius. Centurion means he's, he's a commander in the Roman army. He's a centurion. He stands for century. He's got 100 soldiers under him. And he was seeking God. You know, he was always making offerings and whatever and seeking God. And an angel appeared to him and told him to send for a man named Peter will preach the gospel, you know, who will tell you what you must do. So he sent for Peter. Peter preached the gospel to him, his whole household. The Holy Ghost fell on all of them. You know, God had to, um, actually, God had to really do something extraordinary to get Peter's attention because, I mean, as much as Jesus told him, go to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, I mean, they couldn't get it through their religious heads, and that's going to be our next session, talking about religion, which is more dangerous than any of the things we're going to be talking about tonight, is religion. That's the most dangerous thing there is. And religion holds people back more than anything. And they couldn't get it through their religious heads. This is why God had to turn away from Israel and, 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 and go to the Gentiles. Because the Jews couldn't get it through their heads that it wasn't for just them. I mean, he had to give Peter a dream about him, about, about, and he gave him a dream and a vision about uh, a bunch of animals that the law of Moses says you're not allowed to eat. And he said, kill them and eat them. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. They're unclean. And, and God said, don't call unclean what I call clean. And he woke up and he's like, what's the meaning of that dream, Lord? And the Lord said, said, there's someone coming. I want you to go with them. And it was the invitation of the guy to go to the Gentile's house. You know, if, if you knew you know, the Gentiles, the Roman soldiers who respected the Jews, 
wouldn't go into their house because they knew that the Jews would consider their house being like contaminated or something, you know, unclean if a Gentile went into it. And there was one, uh, another centurion in the Gospels that respected that so much that, you know, he had a servant that was sick and he went to Jesus and said, would you heal my servant? And Jesus said, yeah, I will. And the centurion said, no, 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 you don't have to come to my house. He was respecting the Jewish custom. He said, just say it and I'll believe it's done. And the Bible said Jesus marveled at the man's faith. He said, I haven't found any faith like this, not in all Israel. He said, it's done. But that was the thing. Anyway, so Peter went to the um, Cornelius' house, preached to him and his family. The Holy Ghost fell on all of them. They all got born again, baptized in the Spirit simultaneously, began speaking in tongues. You can read the story in 1 Corinthians, uh, not 1 Corinthians, Acts chapter 10. And then they said, well, can we baptize them? The spirits poured out on them. Should we baptize them? What, I mean, they're Gentiles. What are we gonna, they still couldn't. <laughs> it was so dead set against them. And they finally said, look, if God baptized them in the Holy Ghost, who are we to say they can't be baptized? Amen. So God had to really do some things to get them to understand that. But point being, there was a man who wanted to know God, and God sent him an angel, but the angel didn't preach him to the gospel. He sent them to someone who could tell him. Uh, those of you who go to church here and were here might have remembered a short film. I told, I showed about two Iranian women who, who got born again, but got um, locked up in an Iranian prison and about their testimony. Yeah, you should go look, at them, look them up on, on the internet. It's so inspiring. I was looking at some uh, longer videos about some of their testimony, but this is just a quick story about one of them. The thing, reason why they were locked in the Iranian prison is what they were doing was they were smuggling uh, bulk Bibles into Iran and going around Tehran with backpacks and put it, distributing them all over the place, and they got caught. Um, but one of them was out just routinely, not even doing that, but in a bookstore, just going to a bookstore for one thing or another, and some guy ran in there all wild-eyed and stuff and went up to the counter and said, do you have a Bible? A bookstore in Iran. Guy runs in there and asks for a Bible. I mean, that's like running into a, a pharmacy in Long Island and asking for heroin, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's a book, but it's illegal. Heroin's a drug, but it's illegal. It's just, the guy's like, no Bible here, no Bible here. But she said, and she didn't even have a backpack with her, but she always kept some New Testaments in her pocketbook just in case. So that's even taking a risk doing that there. So she said, I got you covered. Well, the guy, the guy like got indignant, went off to a stock room or something. And she was like, I got you covered. Here, New Testament. But she said, just, just curious. What made you think you were going to get a Bible here? He says, I don't know. I just got dissatisfied with my religion and asked God, who are you? And I had a dream last night. He told me to come to this bookstore and, and buy a Bible. She was just in the right place at the right time. But point being, so she led him to the Lord. Point being, when people want to know, God's going to make sure that they know. He's not going to let anyone, anyone who's sincere and pure in their heart, who's not denying him in their heart, go be, be condemned. I mean, his justice demands that there's wrath. So, again, but it says... What may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. The last part of that verse in the Amplified Bible reads like this. God has revealed it to their inner consciousness.
God has revealed it to their inner consciousness. You know, people are born, and there's some groups out there that would take offense to this, but I'm sorry. You know, when you look at the creation story, it, he, he did people different than he did animals, okay? The Bible says that he just caused the earth to bring forth the animals. But the, the man, he said, he formed them out of, out of a, a, a lump of the earth and did something he didn't do with any of the animals. He said he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. People, and we're going to talk about this, and some of you have heard it, but you could use a review. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this. People, there's three um, elements to people, or we exist on three different planes, the physical, the mental, the spiritual. Animals do not live in the spirit world. They live in the natural world. We are, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, says, I pray God sanctify you wholly, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. So if he says sanctify you wholly or completely, and then he says to be sanctified wholly or completely, your spirit, your soul, and your body would be sanctified, that's complete. That means everything about us is either spirit, soul, or body. We are spirits. That's why the Bible says if you're born again, you're a new creation. You literally became a brand new being when you accepted Jesus Christ. Your spirit was li literally reborn. You bring that new birth to the surface by the renewing of your mind, which is your soul. The Greek word in the New Testament for soul is psyche. It's your will, your intellect, and your emotions. It's the renewing of your mind. But so we are spirits. Point being is everyone is born into this world with a spirit. They're born into this world with a spirit that is connected to God. Little babies are connected to God. They don't have to be born again. We'll just skip this part briefly and go back to Romans 20. It says, For since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. So God is declaring himself inwardly to people, and he's declaring himself outwardly just by looking at his creation. You know, people who tell me they can't understand doesn't make any sense about this God I believe in. And I say, how does it make sense to not believe in him? How does, you, you, you mean all this, this creation, this life, I mean, everything that's going on in the world, every, uh, this, you know, people's hopes, dreams, aspirations, everything uh, just happened? And if that is enough, you can't explain it. I mean, people can explain forever going forward. How do you explain them forever going back? When did time start? And what was before that? It just doesn't make sense. There's just a being that's so eternal who doesn't even exist in time, space, and matter the way we understand it. It's absolutely impossible for all this to be the result of a series of chemical and then somehow biological accident. It's just not possible. It doesn't make any sense at all. And so the Psalms say that the, that the heavens declare the glory 
day unto day utters speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where the voice isn't heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth in all the worlds to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. In other words, creation is declaring his glory. Titus puts it this way. He says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. People know. In their heart of hearts, they know. You know, part of why I believe God didn't want me to skip over this was because of the times that we're living in now. You know, there was there's a scripture in Isaiah that I've been believing and hoping that he was talking about my generation. It's Isaiah chapter 60 that talked about a generation where God's light was going to be shining on them and his glory was going to be seen upon them in a time when the whole world, was, the Bible said, was, was going to be in darkness and deep darkness was going to cover the people. And it is. And every, every year, every month, it, get, it looks darker out there, you know? And the first time I read this and what we're going to be looking at in the rest of this chapter was, you know, this was actually the first book I ever studied as a new Christian. And when the first time I read Romans chapter 1 and I read, like, verse 18 through the end of the chapter, I, I thought you know, this was in 1981. And it was talking about the culture in Rome. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it kind of looks like New York to me. I was spending a lot of time in the city back then, and it was like, boy, really decadent. And things are dark right now in our world, outside the, outside the kingdom. They should be getting darker in the kingdom. And we need to understand something about grace. Well, let's just look at the next verse first. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What does it do? Sorry about this. I keep losing my connection. All right, you're just going to have to listen. If I can't use the... This one ahead on me. It says teaching us, it's teaching us something. God's grace doesn't just deliver you, it, and it doesn't just get, enable you, it teaches you. This never happens in the sanctuary. The internet back here must be weaker with the Wi-Fi. Teaching us that denying, this is Titus 2.12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So 
in times of darkness, God needs people who are going to, by grace, because that's the only way you can do it, right? Live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. He says there's going to be a light shining. You know, that's your witness right there. You know, you can go out and do witnessing, but people that you see on a day-to-day -day basis, you can't just beat them over the head with the gospel. I mean, you can, but you're just going to end up hardening their hearts. You can't just beat them over the head with the gospel every time you see them. But I want you to notice something what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 when he was commissioning his disciples. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Oh, and by the way, he commanded them to wait for the Holy Spirit. Remember I told you before uh, about when God created man, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became the living soul? Well, at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus appeared, when, when, he, when he appeared to his disciples, said he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. That was what was lost when sin entered after all those years restored. When Jesus, they were born again. But then he did a funny thing. He, he breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Ghost. But then in Acts chapter 1, he said, wait for the Holy Ghost, and he left. Now, is one of them wrong? Or did they both happen? The answer is they both happened. When he breathed on them, they were born again. The Holy Spirit, he said, you shall receive power after he comes upon you. And that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't get that unless you're born again first. Like I said, the, the, the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 got them almost simultaneously, but one had to happen before the other. Why? And he said, you shall be power, you shall be, you shall receive power, and then you shall be witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the other parts of the earth. In other words, the Holy Ghost is going to come on you and empower you to do this. And, he's, and, and, and it was very clear. He said he commanded them not to go anywhere, but to wait for it. Commanded. Very direct orders. In other words, don't try to do this on your own. You, you wait till you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you go and be my witnesses. So point being, in a dark world, they need to see the light. And when you're out there and people you're around day-to-day -day basis and you can't beat them over the head with the gospel, you can just be the gospel by the way you carry yourself. You shall be my witnesses. Oh, my goodness, it's getting late. All right. Romans 21. When it said that although they knew God, listen carefully. I wish it was up on the screen. When they knew God... That one, it was stuck on that one. Okay. Although they knew, did you notice that? Although they knew God. You know, there was a time, there comes a time in everybody's life, if they turn from God, they did it on purpose. They didn't want to know. They chose not to glorify him as God. They weren't thankful and became futile, vain in, in their thoughts. You know, the thoughts in the world, well, we're going to be talking about that. To me, they're just, they're just, 
if I didn't understand this, it would absolutely confuse me like nobody's business. How the world is today, the way they think. What, why, I mean, are they, they're really that messed up? And, and the answer is yes. Because their futile thoughts are dark. Why? Because they don't want truth. Do you understand that? I think it was Johnny Cash who said it. Anyone who's looking, really looking for truth is going to find Jesus. Anybody. Anywhere. Any, they're going to find him. You can't have truth be what you want it to be, though. Sometimes it's very inconvenient. Amen? Remember, what's the truth? I mean, <clears throat> someone once asked Dietrich Bonhoeffer, how could a church allow someone like Hitler to rise up and take over Germany? And he said, because they're preaching cheap grace from the pulpits. We just found out what grace was. It was it, what grace does. If it doesn't teach you to deny ungodliness and live soberly and righteously, it isn't grace. It's something else. Ephesians 4.17 says this. This is talking about unbelievers. When they turned from God, their foolish heart was darkened, right? But in Ephesians chapter 4, he, he's talking to the church saying, do not, I, I testify in the Lord that you should not walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. How are they walking? In the vanity of the futility of their mind. And that's, can you, did you catch that? You've got to get past your ability to think and get into the realm of the Spirit. You've got to begin relying on faith, relying on the Spirit, relying on God's promises. If all you're walking in is your understanding, you're walking like the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. And then it says, having their understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God. Did you ever feel alienated from God? You're walking too much in your own understanding. Well, I mean, as a new Christian, that happens. Paul said that to the Corinthians. He said, you know, there's a lot of deep talking about, a lot of deep and, and wonderful spiritual things that called it meat as opposed to milk which is for babies and meat which is for more mature people and he said I can't give it to you yet because you're still carnal and walking like mere men you're walking like regular humans so point being is you know the world turned from God and had their understanding darkened a Christian can do the same thing you've got to progress in it so Romans 1, well, actually, let me back up to verse 21, because there's something I wanted to bring out, because it's, it's getting really negative. So here's something you can take away from this verse, if you want. Put it in reverse. You know, I like to look at things from both ways. So if you're going one way, and you end up with a darkened heart, if you turn around and go the other way, you're going to end up with a totally enlightened heart, right? So what did it say? Oh, it said, because although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. So... You know God. Be very diligent to glorify him as God. Amen? And they were not thankful. The Bible says give thanks in all things. Not for all things, but in all things. That's what we, that's, I mean, that was the whole, probably the main theme of that first worship song we were singing. Is we're singing a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. That means when things are dark, I'm going to be screaming thanks, thanks be to God. Amen? <laughs> thankful in all things, not Come for on. all things. Come on, Thanking, thanking him for the for the deliverance that you know is coming. Yeah. 
and then your wise heart will be enlightened. <laughs> Amen? Re take it in reverse. Simple, right? So in verse 22, it says, professing to be wise, they became fools. Well, the fool has said in his heart, this is what the Bible says in a couple of places in the Old Testament. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up. Now, we're going to be talking later on about spiritual laws. This isn't God getting fed up with people. But remember last time I told you God will not violate your will? He will not force himself on you. If you want to walk away from him, he will give you up. He will respect your choice break his heart I mean I've had people walk away from me that I break broke my heart but I had to respect their choice See, I, I can't possess anybody <laughs> you know and, and gave them up to uncleanness to lust to the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever for this reason now this is going to be this is controversial in these days it shouldn't be in the church but they don't talk about it much for this reason god gave them up this is verse 26 now to vile passions even women exchange the natural use for what is against nature likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one for another men with men committing what is shameful and receives in, in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. So, he's, he's calling same-sex attraction a result of a darkened heart. A result of walking away from God. And, you know, if you're paying attention out there, for saying this, for saying what God plainly says it is, it's not, I mean, to me, it's just common sense. It's quiet in here. It's just quiet. It's, I mean, casual observation. Can't you see that's not what that's made for? I mean, you, you don't even have to believe in God. It's just nature. It, and there's something wrong. It's not right. And, it's, and actually, it's worse than in Rome now. We talked about this before. You got... Men claiming to be women and women claiming to be men. I mean, this this is this is gross darkness. Yeah. Gross darkness. I mean, and, and you know, this is gonna. I don't want it to, but it's going. It's you know, most likely gonna fly under the radar. But I mean, you know, imagine if this if this was uh, one of these podcasts that got like hundreds of thousands of views or something like that. They would jerk this off of their platforms so fast our heads would spin. But it's truth. Truth doesn't negotiate. Truth is truth. People who don't love truth, according to First, Second Thessalonians chapter two, will receive strong delusion to believe a lie, and it's and it's ridiculous. Now you know you say, "Hi, Neil. I'm a uh, hi. I'm, my name is Neil. I'm a man. What are you? Well, I'm a cat. <laughs> I, it's it's." Doesn't that sound stupid? But we all know it actually happens. It's gross darkness. And here's the thing. 
I mean, don't count my generation out yet. We're still breathing. But if we don't wake up, we're going to kick this thing over to you guys, and you guys are going to have to live in it. And you've got to understand this, and you've got to be confident in where you are. They know. They, don't, they know they're wrong. Now, I have to bring out, are you guys okay? Can I? I have to bring out, because I'm going to look ahead, because, you know, this is written as a letter. And I, and I, I like reading the epistles, just reading through them as letters sometimes, because that's how they were written. So, you know, things, he's going to be saying things coming up that clarify things that he's saying now. And just as, as a warning, he's going to start chapter 2 with a very, very strong warning. Remember, I told you, chapter 2 is going to be about religion. Judgment and unforgiveness with your cousins. But he starts it out with a very strong warning. You are not to judge those people. So why would he go through all this telling them how bad things are if he didn't want them to judge them, why would he want them to make sure? Why would he want to make sure they knew about it? Because they were going to be the ones out there in the highways and the byways, running into these people on a day-to-day -day basis, and they needed to know that first of all that they had the right message, and that they knew that they knew that the people they were bringing it to already knew that they were on the wrong side of things. Amen. They already know. You don't have to be uncomfortable with that, and you don't have to worry about it. We'll, we'll get to that. I don't want to go too fast that I don't make sense, but this is uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters. Fornicators is sex outside of marriage, premarital sex, extramarital sex. Idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, or sodomites. Thieves, covetous, drunkards, nor revilers, nor extorters, nor will inherit the kingdom of God. Nice list, right? But watch this now, verse 11. Such were some of you. In other words, you were that, now you're not. This might be profound to you to hear it. But you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Remember what I just said about taking the time to read the epistles? How many remember what I just read from chapter 3? Why he couldn't feed them meat. He couldn't write them about the deeper things of God. He had to just keep giving them milk. Why? Because they were carnal, they were babies, and acting like mere men. Now wait a minute. People who were acting like mere men used to be the list of all these you know, niceties I just read. But you can't overcome those things without the power of the Spirit. Here's, the, here's my point. They, were, they had to have, of necessity, had to have still been struggling with those things. Right? I mean, that's the whole point, that's the whole point why we need the gospel, because we cannot break the power of sin over our lives in our own strength. And yet Paul said, you used to be that. You used to be a homosexual. You're not yet. You just don't know it. You're not anymore. You just don't know it yet. The moment you got born again, you weren't that anymore. You were a new creation in Christ. 
You had to grow in what you became now. There's no such thing as a gay Christian. Is that controversial? Think about it, though. Let that sink in. Anyone here still a sinner? You're not. How can you be a sinner and be the righteousness of God at the same time? Anyone here still sin? No one. I'm the only one. Oh, man. You guys, you guys ought to come and take this from me. I, I, you need to teach me. I mean, that's the law of faith. We're going to talk about that a lot in the future, too. God tells you what you are, even though it doesn't look like you yet. He says you're the righteousness of God, even though you don't act like it. He says by the stripes of Jesus, you are already healed, even though you may still have pain in your body. Something in your body. It's already done. He says in all things, I've made you more than a conqueror, even though you might be on the bottom right now. Point of it is, is when you believe it, you start to move towards that because you receive the grace to become that. Amen. Okay. I want to wind this down. The last verse in the chapter says, "Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things." Now, he just goes through after, and I skipped a couple of verses in, in uh, Romans, but it pretty much it was a similar list to what I just read in 1 Corinthians. And it says, these people know that when they practice such things, that, that, that those who practice such things, who, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are, observe, are deserving of death, not only do the same, but approve of those who practice them. In other words, they know they're wrong. They know they're deserving of God's judgment. God's, we just found out you know, previously in the chapter that God's judgment is being revealed to their inner consciousness. He's being revealed to them outwardly through all creation that, uh, of his existence. He's, he's following them, calling after them all the way to the grave if they'll just turn and listen. But in those people who know, who know it, not only continue to do it, but they approve of those who do. You know, it just almost makes it seem, do you ever hear the expression? You, well, everybody's doing it. They know. So don't be afraid of them. And I'm going to close right now. But I want to I go through something in Jeremiah. And I want to read this to you from Jeremiah chapter 1. And I want you to hear it. I wish this thing was working because I, I really wanted you to see this. But oh well. Listen carefully. This is God's call to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Imagine this is God speaking to you directly. Before I formed you in the world womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I called you a, and I put the words out and left them blank here. I called you a blank to the blank. And I put that out, I left those blank. Because I want the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's there. It's working. How do you like that? Oh, someone's doing it. Thank you. Because I want the Holy Spirit in time to fill those blanks in for you. He told Jeremiah, I've made you a prophet to the nations. We're not all called to a prophet to the nations. But we are called to somebody. To, we are all called to something 
somewhere, to somebody, someplace, at some time. We are all called. Before God, before you were even born, before you were even formed, God knew you. Actually, he knew you before that. He knew you before the foundation of the world. He knew, Romans chapter 8, so it says, who he foreknew, he predestined. Everybody who's ever going to come and turn to him, God know, knew it all along. doesn't mean he made it happen, but he knew it was going to happen. And he, and he laid out a plan for you. He laid out a calling for you. I, I formed you. I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And I order, ordained you to be something to somebody somewhere. We're all sent somebody somewhere. Next verse. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. You ever feel that way? Well, this is what God has to say to that. Next verse. Do not, oh, I skipped the verse. Do not say I am a youth, for you go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command, you shall speak, as much as is in you. You are not just a youth. You are a spirit-filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost, sent ambassador of the kingdom of God. In the very next verse, and this I'm going to close with. Do not be afraid of their faces. It doesn't matter. You know, Jeremiah got a lot of persecution because his, his ministry was Israel's last chance before captivity fell. And he was did not have a popular message. Judgment is coming. You guys better repent. You guys better quit sacrificing the idols. You better quit doing this. You better, I mean, your message may not be popular. People don't want to hear the good news. Jesus said in John 3.18 that this is the condemnation that men love darkness rather than the light. But, you know, you have to go to who God sends you and speak what he commands you. Don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be moved by how they, they lash back at you. Why? Because in their heart of hearts, they know they're wrong. I mean, Jesus, uh, Stephen preached this amazing message in Acts chapter 7. And, and I mean, this is how bad people want, want to embrace the darkness. And this was, uh, this was how dangerous religion is. He was preaching this message... He was so anointed that his face was glowing like an angel's. And the Bible said that the people who heard him were cut to their heart. And they put their fingers in their ears and they rushed on him and stoned him to death. They didn't want truth. But why are you going to do that unless you know? You know you're wrong. Don't be afraid of their faces. They know they're wrong. And what you say, you don't have to see the result. It's going to follow them to the grave. But this is a dark generation that we have to live in. I don't know. Are you guys up for warfare? You know, I heard a lot of prophets saying that this revival, I mean, you know, that there was a revival in the 70s that they called the Lamb. And they were saying that this one's going to be the Lion. God's going to need warriors in this generation. Spiritual warriors. Warriors with compassion. Warriors who aren't afraid and aren't ashamed. Amen? Lord, I just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to speak your word. And I thank you for what you've done, even though we had 
challenge to it. Amen. Uh, it's good seed planted on good ground. In Jesus' name. And I don't want to take anything for granted here tonight. So I, I just want I want to just leave open the option for prayer. You know, I talked about uh, you're probably all born again. Maybe you're not. I don't want to leave anything for granted. Take anything for granted. So um, if something touched your heart tonight and you really haven't made that decision yet, please come up and let me pray with you. If you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet, that's power to be a witness. Let me pray for you for that. And plus, you know, the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 14, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Well, I am an elder of the church here. And let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the Bible says the prayer of faith will heal the sick. So I'm here for that, okay? And, and, and please take advantage of those things. And until um, that, you know, God bless you, and we'll see you next time.